You know, one of the things that I love about Christmas are all the lights, whether it's the Christmas trees or whether it's the outdoor decorations or what seems to be more and more popular these days, those light-up inflatables. Have you seen those around town? I'll admit that we have a Grinch at our house, not the most spiritual, but that's all right because our kids love it, and that's what matters, right? We love the lights because they, they just make us feel better. They make us feel joyful inside, and if we're honest, we know that we live in a dark period of time. There's darkness that's all around us. All you have to do is turn on the news and see the negativity and the darkness that's there. But you know, it's, it's tempting for us to imagine, it's tempting for us to think that we live in the darkest period of American history. It's tempting for us to say the world has never been darker than it's been today. But you know what? The world has been darker than it is even today in America. The Bible says that 400 years before Jesus was born, there was a period of silence. From the end of the Old Testament until we get to Matthew chapter 1, or whichever gospel you choose to read, where the birth of Jesus, there was 400 years in which the Word of God was not spoken. There were no prophets. There were no letters that were written. And you can go back 300 years before that to the time of the prophet Isaiah, and he talks about the darkness that existed. In Isaiah chapter 9, he's writing about the prophecy of Jesus. And understand this passage that we're getting ready to read, it was written 700 years before Jesus was born. The words will be on the screen of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, where the prophet writes, he says, "...the people who walked," look at the key word here, "...in darkness." have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land, here it is again, of deep darkness, on them has light shone. See, you and I know that from the very moment that Adam and Eve sinned, that darkness entered our world. And by the way, before we go any further, what do I mean by darkness? There's two words that I mean by darkness. I mean evil and suffering. Ever since the beginning of time, even today, for centuries, people have acknowledged that we live in darkness. There's no sense in denying that we live in darkness, but they have sought to find ways that they could overcome it themselves. Some people have thought that, well, if we could just elect a certain party in the office, then we could escape the darkness. Some people, they put their hope or their trust in a politician thinking, well, this king or this president, if we can elect them, then finally the darkness, we can, we can escape it, we can avoid it. Others have felt that, well, we're going to put our faith in our financial institutions. We're going to place our faith in our 401ks. And if we have enough money, if we save enough, if we can, can buy enough things that finally we can avoid, we can escape this darkness that we live in. Other people have believed that it's our, our innovation we can create our way out of this darkness. We can create enough technology. But whatever period that we've lived in, no matter what we believe today, for centuries people have thought that we can create our way, we can earn, we can work our way out of this darkness that we live in today. But friends, if you don't hear anything else that I say today, I want you to hear this. And that is that the message of Christmas is not all we have to do is pull together. 
If we can come together as a country, as we can come together as a state, if we can pull ourselves together, then we can create this perfect sense of peace and harmony and unity, and we can get out of this darkness where we find ourselves today. In fact, the message of Christmas is the exact opposite. The message of Christmas is that humanity, meaning governments, meaning um, our financial institutions, meaning our bank accounts, meaning our innovation, our technology, they will never be able to get us out of the darkness that we live in today. The message of Christmas is not cheer up, just work a little harder. Be a little bit more positive in your thinking, and you too can get out of this darkness that you're living in. And no, the stark reality is there is no way, there is nothing that you and I can do in and of ourselves to escape, to avoid, to get out of this darkness that we live in today. What the message of Christmas, what the message of Christianity says is that, friends, yes, this world is as dark as it seems. Yes, you are unable to avoid this darkness. Yes, you are stuck in this, and there is no escape. But, praise God, the gospel doesn't end there. The gospel says, yes, things are as dark in the world as they look, but nevertheless, there is hope. Look at this, that same verse. I want you to look at at chapter 9, verse 2. But this time, I want us to focus on the last phrase. The prophet says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, listen to this, on them has light shone. Isaiah says, yes, you're walking in darkness. Yes, it is difficult where you are. Yes, there is untold amounts of evil and suffering in the world 700 years before Jesus and where we are in 2019. And yet... To those who were walking in darkness, what does he say? On them light has shone. The NIV says, on them a light has dawned. Friends, yes, it is dark. But praise God, there is a light that has come, and that light did not come from inside the world. That light came from outside the world, and if you've been with us as we've been studying the book of John, that light is Jesus Christ himself who came from outside into this darkness, and the only way he could do that is because he himself is what? The light of the world. And right now, in my remaining few moments, I want us to focus on how in the world can we receive this light? How can we take this light of the world, Jesus, who has come into the world, and how can it become ours? Look at just a few verses ahead of of chapter 9, verse 2. At verse 6, a verse many of us hear and know at Christmas that says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Notice that Isaiah doesn't just say, for to us a son is born. That's natural, right? Of course, he was born. Every person here, we were born. But that next phrase is what is so important. It says, for to us a son is, what's that last word? Given. I believe that word given is the most important word there. Why? Because what it tells us is that Jesus is a gift. 
The best news that I can share with you today, the best news that you can hear, the best news that the world needs to understand and needs to grasp is there is a gift that has been given to us through Jesus Christ that this gift offers us salvation, offers us forgiveness, offers us redemption, offers us the right to become a son or a daughter of God. But understand, it's a gift. And in order for you to understand it's a gift, you have to first understand that you do not deserve this gift. You have to understand there's nothing that you can do that will ever make you worthy of this gift or that God will ever say, yep, you've done enough now, you've earned it, and now I need to give it to you. We know the Christmas story. We know the Christmas story that God sent his son Jesus who was born of a virgin in Bethlehem, who lived and continued to grow up and lived a perfect life and perfect obedience to his father. But the story goes on. Not only did he live a perfect life, but he made a claim that was the most radical claim that's ever been made on the history of mankind, and that is that he claimed to be the Son of God. But he didn't stop by just making that claim. He taught he performed miracles. There were a prophecy after prophecy that he fulfilled, proving that he is who he says he is. And eventually, at the end of his earthly life, he goes to the cross. But he didn't go to the cross and die a death as thousands of men before him did to pay for their mistakes. He didn't go to the cross and pay for his own sins, but he goes as a perfectly innocent man who had never committed one single crime, never committed a sin against God, and he goes to the cross not to pay for his sin, but he goes to the cross to pay for your sin and for mine. And church family, when we trust in Jesus' work on the cross— of him making the ultimate payment for our sins. When we place our trust in Jesus and what he did instead of our own good efforts, instead of our own moral efforts earning us a way to heaven, then it is then that God forgives us. It is then that God accepts us and welcomes us into his forever family. But you can never receive that gift unless you first understand you do not deserve it. If you're like me, my wife's in extended care right now, so she's waiting, making sure I don't go long, so I'm going I'm to hurry this up. But if you're like our family, we struggle at this time of the year to teach our kids what we know to be true, that it truly is more blessed to what? Give than receive. And it's easy to say that, but at Christmas, everywhere you go, what's the first question people ask your kids? What do you want for Christmas? And we're trying to teach them it's not just about receiving gifts, but even as adults, we know that sometimes it's difficult to receive gifts. Sometimes it's difficult for us to receive certain kinds of gifts because in order to take that gift, it means that we must swallow our own pride. It means if we're going to receive certain gifts that we admit that we have flaws. We admit that there are weaknesses in our lives. Let me give you an example. Say you have a dear friend of yours, and he or she knows that you're going through a difficult financial time, that you owe a substantial amount of money, and it's preventing you from meeting the needs of your family. If 
this person came and gave you this large sum of money as a gift, my guess is you're like me. That would be difficult for you to accept. Why? Because you would have to first swallow your pride and admit that there's a need, that you need something that you cannot provide yourself. Friends, hear me on this. There has never been a gift that's been offered to you that will make you swallow your pride to the degree that the gift of Jesus Christ requires from us. Listen to me. Christmas means that you and I are so lost. Christmas means that we are so unable to save ourselves that there's nothing that we can do in ourselves to save ourselves, nothing less than the very death of the Son of God could bring us back to Him. Let that soak in for a minute. If there were any other way, any other way that you could be made right with God, any other way that you could have a relationship with God apart from God sending his son, don't you think he would have found another way? But understand, when God sent his son Jesus, he sent him for one purpose, and that was to be the sacrificial lamb of God. He came to die. We understand that Good Friday is the reason for Christmas. When he came, he didn't come as an example. He didn't come as a moral teacher. But he came to be the ultimate, the final, the all that we need, Son of God, the sacrificial payment that settled the wrath of God against your sin and my sin. The fact that God sent his son at Christmas means that you and I can't pull ourselves together. It means we can't do enough good things in order to be brought into God's good graces. It's friend, to accept this gift of salvation, to accept this gift of Christmas, you first have to admit that you need a Savior. You first have to admit that there is nothing that you can do in and of yourselves to save yourself. In fact, to accept the gift of Christmas means that you have to be willing to give up control of your life. The message of Christmas, it's good news. Light has come into our darkness, and we can now be called the sons and the daughters of God, not because of what we do, but because light has come from outside the world, because Jesus was the payment for our sin, and he is the gift. And friend, if I could urge you to do anything today, it's that you would consider accepting this gift, but you cannot accept it until you first admit there is a need in your life. So I hope that this Christmas that you, if you haven't already, you'd swallow your pride, you'd admit your need, and you'd call out to God who is willing and waiting and longing to give you the most precious gift that you've ever been given. If you'll take the little information card in your um, worship guide for just a moment there. It looks like this. 
every time we have a service, we want to make sure that we give you a, resp- a time to respond. Today, maybe for the first time, the Holy Spirit's tugging at your heart, and you're saying, you know what, I- I've never trusted in Jesus. I've always thought that I could earn my way or do enough good things, and today I understand that it's a gift that I have to admit my sin. I have to believe that Jesus is God's Son and commit that I'm going to give up control of my life and live for Him. I'm going to make Him my Lord and Savior. In just a moment, I'm going to pray, and I would love for you to make the greatest and the most important decision of your life to trust in Jesus. If you do that, you can indicate on that card, I think that's um, letter C there, that today you trusted Jesus as your Savior. For others, you've made that decision. You're uh, walking with Jesus, but you've never taken that next step of obedience to be baptized just as Jesus was. You can indicate that as well, that you want to be baptized. But I'm going to pray, and then after I pray, there's going to be uh, Candy's going to play for just a few moments for you to complete this card. All that we've done, all that Matt and the orchestra and the choir have been doing has been leading up to presenting you with the opportunity to trust Christ as your Savior. We would be overjoyed to be able to celebrate that with you. So after I pray, would you take a moment, complete that card, And then our ushers are going to come after some scripture is read, and then you can place that card, and if you have an offering, you can place the offering in that plate as well. We'll continue in worship. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. We thank you for the most incredible gift that we are so unworthy of, and yet in your goodness and your grace, you have freely given Jesus to us. And all we can say is thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for rescuing us from ourselves so that we might have eternal life. And Lord, I pray that if there is anyone here today that has never trusted you as their Savior, that today they would call out to you and they would find a Savior that is waiting, willing, and ready to forgive them and welcome them into your family. Would you take these tithes and offerings, Lord? Would you bless them so that we can be good stewards in expanding your kingdom? It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.